0: Episode 249 of the Biven James Hour Show, Five Tips for Self-Improvement. righty-o, team, welcome along to episode 249 of the Bevan James. I'll show you a fortnightly podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, today, uh, it's the Bevan Show. And I'm going to do a, an episode I've called Five Tips for Improving or Self Improvement. And I kind of, what, what I'm thinking it is, is it's more about how to improve in an area of your life that you already spend time and energy in that is important to you. So it might be that you've got a really good fitness habit, it might be a hobby area, it might be a career area. Um, and how do we actually step you forward and help you go to the next level in those areas? And, and, and it's kind of five tips slash frameworks to think about in this area. Because often, we, we, you know, it's that thing of in my book I talk about, you know, are you kind of in a habit or thriving with exercise? And often people are in that kind of habit and area that's important to them. And maybe they're not growing or maybe there's better ways to grow. And what I mean by this is there's kind of, if, 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 if here's where I am today and, you know, there's 10 steps up the path in front of me that I want to get to on this area that's important to me in my life there's kind of ways that we can go about achieving that isn't there and for some people we can do this in the slowest kind of unwisest way possible and then for other people or, or, or some or maybe not necessary people but for some in some situations we could do it in the slowest way possible and maybe put barriers and hurdles in front of ourselves and then other ways where we can do it in the quickest way possible and so I'm kind of the concept of today's talk is gonna be about that. So yeah, so look forward to getting to that to you really soon. I've been getting some feedback from people who've been doing my twenty-one day health kick challenge. Um, it's been really great. It seems like it's really working for some people out there. This is the I think I did this podcast two episodes ago, and if you listen to it, then I imagine you might be getting to the end of it. So if you've done this 20, 21 day challenge, um, send me an email. Just let me know how you actually what you felt from learn from the experience. Like I imagine some people didn't stick to it. I, I hope I hope you did, but. If you did stick to it, what were the gains you got from it? And maybe if you didn't stick to it, let me know why you didn't stick to it because there's some really good learnings in that. You know, like if you sign up for about my 21-day health cook challenge, you sign up with good intentions, don't you? You sign up with the want and the desire to get what I kind of promised with that challenge was to kind of see what your life would be like if you prioritised your health for that period of time. And unfortunately, if you didn't, Learning why you didn't stick to it, This could be some really good insight in there for both me and for you. So if you didn't quite stick to it, send me the email. But if you have completed it, let me know what was the benefit of you doing this challenge. Now, if you didn't listen to the episode, go back a few episodes ago. It's called the 21 Day Health Kick Challenge is the title of the episode. I can't remember what each episode it was. But um, I think the key thing is is what happens next. Now, the whole idea of the 21 Day Health Kick Challenge was for you to experience what it would be like if I prioritised my healthy tools in my life for 21 days in a row. And why a a short challenge is a really good challenge if it's set up correctly is that people can experience a different way of living. And so if you've succeeded in doing this 21-day challenge, then what's happened is is you've understood, you know what, actually putting some time for my movement, putting some time for healthy connection, putting some time in for um, creativity, for stress releases, for rest and recovery strategies – putting time in my day for these things and prioritizing them actually means I function at a higher level as a person, both for myself and my world. Well, the next step is then we go, well, how do we start to cement that philosophy and that prioritization of that in your life? Because as you've heard me talk about on this show many times, is that what happens when we get busy, we drop the things that are good for us. And what we want to do is we want to take from this experience that this is a way of life, that actually the next part is to cement this thinking for a longer period of time and so if you have completed the 21 day challenge I would say the first thing is is you rock legend the second thing is now what you're trying to do is you're trying to cement that philosophy and that thinking and the actions that you took over that period of time and so it's the cementing of it but also the next step is to see what could pull you away from it and if you have moments where you've pulled away from it and let's be honest we all have moments where we fall away from good behaviors is how do you avoid it becoming the new norm or going back to what you were before you started it because ultimately what we want to find is with good structures and good tools we want to be consistent with them for a long period of time or basically forever really like if I know something makes my life better and in a much healthier way my goal is to keep it in my life for as long as possibly, I possibly can. So for those who have done the challenge, again, high five, you've absolutely rocked. Let me know what you've learned from the experience. But the next step would be to make sure you maintain the philosophy, the prioritization and the actions that you've done throughout this and see the moment where you could fall away from it. Now, it's really interesting because I'm recording this in October, late October in New Zealand here. And if you're listening to this kind of, as I release it, we're heading into the Christmas period. And Christmas period's a really interesting time because in New Zealand it's our big holiday period. So in New Zealand, we we you know you, you kind of take your, your three or four weeks off over Christmas period time. And so people will set up these good routines, then they go into a holiday period, they fall off the routine, and then they get a new year and they haven't put their routine or they've lost that routine. And so with this in mind, it's a really if you have nailed this challenge and you want to continue on, how do you do that through a holiday period? You know, how do you make sure you maintain your healthy tools? when you're not in your normal day-to-day routine and it's a really good challenge for you to install because that's what we want to do is we want to make it consistent long-term philosophy slash behaviors that will have those long-term benefits in your life so just a thought on that um I just want a quick, quick update on the book i've been lots of people saying how's the book going given it's kind of the question i get a lot of my life right now i get how's the book going uh the book's been i, I thought i would just kind of talk to you about how it's actually gone so Basically, um, the book came out in June, July, I think early July. Um, It's now been about three or four months. We've actually sold, all the money we've put into it, we've made back now. So that's really cool. So all the money we've put into it, it's sold amazingly well. I've talked about how it got onto the top 10 in Audible for health and fitness in the world. Um, Probably was number one selling fitness book in New Zealand for a moment there, which is really cool as well. Um, What's really cool is that, there was the first kind of push that we put out there and it sold obviously really well at that first moment. But we're still selling books to this day and I don't really know how people are finding out about it because I'm not, you know, I'm not any really, really pushing it. So that's really encouraging. And as as I talked about before we actually released the book, um, the goal was to save the budget that we had From the books we sold so basically every dollar we've put into the book now we've made back which is really cool and joe and i were sitting down the other day and we're kind of saying good we've got a good chunk of money now and it's a pretty decent amount of money Now what we can do is we can actually start to think about that marketing campaign and what I'm currently doing is I'm just, I want to kind of have four or five different ways to market it, to to, to kind of, for me marketing is a bit of an experiment. So for example, I'm creating a webinar and a webinar is going to be a pretty in-depth webinar which ultimately is trying to sell the book and the course at the end of it. Um, I'm going to have some basic ads to a really kind of specific sales page. Uh, You know, so I'm trying these different kind of strategies around the marketing of it and then once that's finished which hopefully will be in the next couple of weeks um, then what we're going to do is we're going to start using that money that we've saved and, and we're basically willing to kind of gamble all that money on the marketing of this book because one thing I've been getting I got, I got I got feedback from one lady so in the books it's the baby steps I think she was up to like baby step four already so that's the one where, oh, I can't remember which baby step it is but um, she was saying she was asking me a question about that what she should do in this baby step and she said Bevan thank you for this book you know you've really written something pretty amazing here and it's, it's having a massive impact on my life and that's that's what that's what this book was all about you know is that the real measure is it's not how many books you sell it's do you actually help people create change and the fact i'm getting this kind of feedback from the people who have read the book and have actually bought the book and have committed to the process um is really encouraging so it makes me want to spend that money we've made to this point in time on the marketing of it so i just thought i'd give you an update overall i couldn't have been happier with where it's at at this stage um we do want to make it a much bigger thing we do want to make it a thing that actually becomes one of the books that people just think about to buy you know like everyone talks about atomic habits um you know if you think about money rich dad poor dad you know in, in any of the areas kind of four or five books you know think and grow rich by napoleon Hill. you know to get to that level it's a pretty massive thing and I don't know if we'll be able to get there but we're kind of the first stage of the book this kind of first section where we've kind of made all our money back that we've invested in the book now gives us a a decent budget we basically have at this stage enough for six months of of quality marketing to do so the next piece of the puzzle is if we can figure that out and then if we figure out that piece then we just scale so if if in the next kind of Four to five, six months. If we can figure out what it takes to, you know, and the thing with marketing, what you're doing is you're going, how much does it cost to get someone to buy? Is your profit on top of that? So let's just say. you know, it costs us fifteen dollars to get someone to buy our book. Well, we're making off each book. We make about twenty-five to twenty-seven dollars. So we make you know ten dollars profit on that. And what we do, we just reinvest that money in getting more people buying books. So really, we're, that's the piece we've got to figure out now. And if we can figure that out and we can get that part right, then we just scale. So then what we do is we go, okay, when well, we now know that it costs us twelve dollars to get someone to buy a book, we make twelve dollars profit on that. We can put that twelve dollars in buying more people books, and it's just kind of that game of monopoly. The more houses you own, the more rent you get the more money you're going to make the more you can have impact so that's kind of where the book is at now if you if you haven't already got the book the book is called passionate about exercise, I'll make you passionate about exercise. Go to passionaboutexercise.com. But I just thought I'd give an update because I have had, I, I get lots of people asking me how the book's going, so I thought I'd do that. Anyway, uh, just before we get into the main gist of today's show, I want to say a big thank you to the patrons of the show. These are the people who donate some of their hard-earned money every time I release an episode of this podcast. And these people include Katrina, the architect. We've got Kim Anderson-Hadley, and she's surging forward. Uh, Kim's actually doing the Auckland Marathon this weekend good luck to Kim and Lee uh, and he's not doing this one so Kim and Lee uh, we've got Lana the Queen of Change a Kingy we've also got Wendy the Rockstar Schaefer Louise Kitchen Queen Crosby and Ella Boom Boom Pal Green these are all people who donate some of their hard earned money to my podcast every time I release an episode if you want to become a patron go to bevanjamesisles.com look on podcast look support me go through the process each time i release an episode you donate some of your hard-earned money my way anyway let's get into the main gist of the show So in, in designing this section of the show, I think I want to put some kind of parameters around what we're talking about here before we actually dig into the kind of process I want to take you through in today's episode. So I think the first thing I want to talk about is that we're not really talking about an area of your life that you think you need to make new change in. Um, so it's, you know, it's not that you're trying to become a new runner or you're trying to um, bring a new hobby into your life. This is more of an area of your life where you already have some kind of foundation around a habit and and it's kind of important to you and you want want to get the best improvement as possible and as as I was talking about earlier when we think about growth there's kind of speeds of growth really isn't there there's kind of speeds of growth that we want to think about and there's slow ways to grow and then there's kind of fast ways to grow and I think what happens for a lot of people and that's why it's really important that I kind of clarify what I'm talking about here because I think when we have some areas of our life which are important to us that we care about, and we we do impr- we care about improving in, we almost already have a lot of structure in place. And and so a good example is me with exercise. I I have a really good structure in place around exercise. You know, there's a lot of things that I do each week in exercise. I know how it fits into my life really well. I know how to do it really well. Um, So there's kind of already an infrastructure in my life and there's kind of patterns and habits and things that I do in this area. And as you think about yourself as you're listening about this, you know, probably one thing you want to do maybe is identify an area of your life that, again, is, is important to you that you already currently spend time on and actually you do want to keep continuing improving in. And I'll probably talk more to piano the day today than exercise in my life because I've probably got better examples from that. So, um, so for example, my piano playing is an area in my life that I care about. It's an area in my life where I do want to keep improving. It's an area in my life where I do spend time on it. Um, it's an area in my life where there's definitely room for improvement in how I approach my growth. And that's probably the good way to think about it is, is there area for improvement in the way you treat your growth in this area? And I sometimes think that what happens when we have areas where we already have a baseline of habits, a baseline of structure, that we've kind of, we kind of just revert back to what we're always doing. And so it don't really evolve how we're growing, and so that's why maybe our growth pathway or our growth progression is slower than maybe what we would want. And so, and today, I wanted to kind of think about what some things that we can approach, some strategies that we can put in place that we can approach faster growth in this area. Okay. Now, before we even dig into, it, I think it's probably worth considering why is this valuable. Well. If you've got an area of your life that's important to you and you are already committing time and effort into, if you can grow faster and you can, you know, get better results, it's going to be a much more rewarding experience. Because let's be honest, greatest satisfaction comes from that, that growth and that pushing through challenge, you know, and so it's really important as you kind of think about this is that, what we're trying to do is, A, feel a greater sense of reward, a greater sense of growth, and that deeper sense of evolution in that area. And again, if I go back to what I was talking about in my book earlier, it's that in my book I talk about the, the habit exerciser versus the thriving exerciser. And when we think about the difference between those two, is the habit, again, they're in a good place. They've got the good infrastructure in place. They, they turn up, they go to the gym three times a week, they do the classes, or they go for their run, or they go to play their basketball game, whatever but they're not getting that thriving place from exercise. And when we think about the rewards and the results, it's actually really interesting. I mean, think about this as I've been watching my classes at the gym recently, because when you watch your classes at the gym, and, and I guarantee I've talked about this in the past, but you just see the people who never do the yards, You see the people who just never put the effort in. And if if physical results are the measure, because I know exercise isn't always about physical results, but the people who get the best physical results are the ones who just put the best effort in. Like they, you you see the way they train. They just commit higher. They just commit higher. And commit higher in, in kind of many areas that it takes to commit higher. And, and I think that ultimately, if you want to improve in this area that you're already putting time into, you're going to get much more re- rewards and results and love that thing even more if you commit to a higher level and you achieve a higher level. So that's kind of the framework that what I want to think about was in an area, what some things we want to think about. And I've said five tips. I don't know if there's five or not. There might be five. There might be seven. I kind of, I just went with five. <laughs> so, so I think the first thing we have got to do is we have to do some really honest self-assessment around two kind of questions. What is the bit that you aren't doing? What are the bits that you aren't doing that are going to help you with your, with your improvement? Okay. And again, I'm going to use my piano example a lot as I talk through this here. So I'll kind of use it and you can kind of self-assess in the area. So when you think about the area that you're working on in your life that you currently put time into already, that you actually care about, you do want to grow and you want to grow in the fastest way possible, what are the bits that you're not doing that would help you actually progress faster? And... I'll give you, as a coach, I'll give you an example. I get a lot of our runners. Our runners come along to our sessions. They do all the hard work, you know, our, particularly our half marathon group. Our half marathon group trains hard for 10 weeks. It's a challenging program. And they turn up the, they're pretty, you know, as a overall whole, they're consistent, they're hardworking, you know, they do all the work. And then when I ask them to do a race training program, I mean a race day plan, 20% of them do it. Like 20% of them do it. Now their goal is to be successful on race day and a half marathon. They sign up for a half marathon. They train like beasts. You know, they turn up, they do like 90% of the sessions. They hit the objectives. They do everything right. And then I say to them two weeks before the race, make sure you do your race your race planning session. I've made a video for them. I talk about the terrain of the race. I give them documents to fill out. It's a process that probably takes them about, you know, 30 minutes, maximum, maximum an hour, probably only 30 minutes, and only 20% of them do it. And if you want to be successful in a half marathon result, race planning is a massive part of your success. And again, in our group, which is a motivated, highly trained group, probably about 20% of them do it. And when you think about the areas of your life that you already commit and you will put time into, it's important to you, what are the bits that you're not doing? I'll you my example of my piano playing. So, and my One of my faults as a person is rush to action. Hmm, that's an interesting one. One of my faults as a person is a rush to action. And what I mean by that is I'm, I can see I, I do it all the time, and it's something I'm really trying to learn about myself and about how to be better at this, is I'll get an idea, and I rush to action. And sometimes you've actually got to go, you know what? Take a moment, do some more assessment, And develop a higher level, more wisely thought out plan Before you go towards action And I'll often just think of an idea Or think of something Or or be inspired by something And I'll go towards action Now the thing about me is I'm really good at action So I'm the guy who kind of, you know If I say I'm going to do something I kind of end up doing it So um, the action part's not the problem But the rushing to action is And if as I think about my piano playing You know, if you talk to any piano tutor One thing they're going to say is, you know, the kind of four things you're going to hear is make sure you practice with one hand, make sure you practice really slowly with one hand and master that hand, and then practice with the other hand and do the same thing, and then bring both hands together. And while you're doing this, make sure you're always counting. Counting, and the more you can use a metronome, the better. Well, I've never done that well. I've never done that well. And the reason is, because I wanna rush to action. Because when I get a song I wanna get I wanna just get that song done. I just wanna I wanna I'm excited about the song and I wanna get that song done. And so what do I do? I rush to action. And so when I think about my piano playing, and you've heard me talk about this on the show, is for the amount of time I've spent playing the piano over the years, I'm not as good a musician as I should be. And this isn't an insecure statement. It's it's just basically a fact. And one of the problems is, is my rush to action and me neglecting some of the things that would actually help me be better. So what's the current bit that I'm not doing? Well, when I learn a piece, I don't go back to the foundations enough as a player. Now when the kind of second point that I've put around this and this kind of aligns to what I'm saying right now is is when you built your habit what part did you pass over so when you built your habit in this area so again because again today's talk is that an area of your life where you put time into you actually want to improve in what part did you pass over because we often do you know like again in my rush to action and my belief in hard work as an athlete sometimes I would spend so much time training that I'd pass over things like technique you know so like it, it, when, as a swimmer although I'm very proud of what I achieved as an Ironman swimmer because I was a kid who basically never swam at all I, I wasn't going to drown but I was never swam a length length in my life and I signed up for an Ironman and by the end of it I was kind of top maybe top quartile, probably in far, top 10% of the field when I was swimming in an Ironman by the end of it. So I did, I did improve my swimming a lot. But when I built my habit, I passed over skill development in my swimming technique. And if I reflect back on my time swimming, I definitely improved so much. But when you looked at how much time I spent practicing technique each week, I really didn't. You know, I probably spent an hour a month on technique. And so in that foundation of that rush to effort, I, I just wanted to swim, so I just get in the pool and put in effort, 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 effort. But I didn't do the technique. Now, if we think back to that analogy of how fast can you get growth, if I want if I were to go back to square one and say, okay, Bevan, you wanna you want to improve your swimming, um, you know your effort's going to be there. How do you make sure you include technique improvement as a part of your weekly routine? Now, As much as I got to the point where I was really proud of where I swim with my Ironman swimming, I guarantee if I committed time to that technique side of my swimming right from day one, or even halfway through the journey, I would have got faster, quicker, and maybe even got faster than what I got at the end of my moment or at the end of my journey. So the first thing to think about is these two things: is what's the bit that you currently aren't doing, and when you built your habit, what was the bit that you passed over? Probably another, another thing to think about here as well because some of these things are things that are obvious to do but we just haven't done them. So like, let's be honest, the, the race day planning for a race, is obvious, it's not hard, you know, you, you just need to do it. But then there's also aspects of skill development or growth development where you just don't like doing it. You know, like, you know, I, I don't like doing that part of it. You know, let's be honest, the amount of people on a weight loss journey saying I hate measuring food or "I hate I hate tracking food now I get it. It's a pain in the bum. Although to be honest, nowadays it's a lot easier with apps, cheap as creepers. You know, like you download my my fitness pal. You know, like the, with the food apps. You know, like tracking food. It, tell you what, yeah, it just works. And but people go, I don't like doing it. So there's kind of that food component to it, isn't there? Is, is it what what have what haven't I currently done? Because it's just kind of I haven't got around to doing it. What's the bit that I missed when I was building my habits? And what's the bit that I just don't like? So I don't do it because I don't like it. Now, now you were looking at the weight loss journey, tracking is, is a really good way to, to, to help you on your weight loss journey, because why? Well, tracking is awareness, and awareness helps us make better decisions. You know, if you if, if you could be honest to tracking and track what you're eating, even if it's you know, let's, let's be honest, it'd probably take about 20 minutes of your a day to track your food. If you were to do that, you've got to make better decisions. You know, awareness helps us make better decisions. And so even though you don't like it, when we think about getting from my A to my B in the fastest way possible, doing it would help me achieve it. So I think this is probably the third area I want to touch on there. So that's that kind of, the bit that I'm doing just because I don't like it. So that's kind of the first step in my five steps. Again, I might be able to find a fifth step at the end of this. So... The first step is the assessment around the bits that I'm not doing, and that's kind of in those three different areas. The bit that I'm not doing, the part of my habit that I didn't get in place when I first started, and the bit I don't do because I just don't think I like doing it. Now, once we've understood this, the next step is we've got to create some development in those areas. With, with, you know, If you want to get progress, because here's the thing is, those areas probably have the bigger impact. So if we go back to my analogy of my runners – Getting them to train more, I don't think it's going to – when we look at race day performance, like, we get them to train enough. They are training heaps. They're doing the right type of training. They're training effectively. You know, if I would say to them, you need to do over hours, run a week, which, in, in the nature of what they're doing is probably easier than kind of trying to plan doing a race session. But the extra hour of running a week probably wouldn't have as much impact on their race day as what a good planning race day session would have. And so, when we think about these areas that we identify, we've got to understand that if we were to bring them into our skill development or our growth development, that they're probably going to have a mass, more bigger impact on just doing more of the thing that we currently do. So again, if 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 it's that you're you know okay, let's use my pen analogy. You know, I'm I'm really enjoy jamming out to my band songs, or, or even I actually really enjoy creating. You know, so I'm quite happy to spend time creating stuff for my band. I could spend hours doing it. I'm really happy with it. Now, as a pianist, now as a, as a band member, that's good because it creates art, but as a, as a pianist trying to develop my skill, spending more time doing that is actually not going to help me grow in the ways that I want to grow as a pianist. So I think one thing we've got to acknowledge first of all is that the areas that you identify in that first step, which is identifying the areas that you currently aren't working on, is they'll probably have the biggest impact on that fast-forwarding of your growth. Again, if I can get my 100% of my runners to, to do the race planning before the race, their chances of success go up way more than if they just were to do an extra 30-minute run a week because they're already doing enough of that. Now, when we think about it, I could probably easier, more easily get them to do a 30-minute run than get them to do race day programming. So... That's what we've got to think about. So first of all, is once you've understood the areas that you need to work on, understand the value of what that growth will represent for you. Okay, So understand that even though it's going to be hard and it's bringing a new skill in, the, the payoff will be absolutely massive. Now, step number three, and this is really important. We've got to teach this like a project. So now, let's say, okay, so for me, and this is what I've been doing with my piano recently, I've been going and finding some pieces. Joe, a few years ago, gave me a book. It's called, I've got it here right in front of me. What's it called? It's called uh, The Best Acoustic Rock Songs Ever. And it's literally this massive box, um, kind of music book. It's got like 100 songs in it. And I've been learning, what song have I been learning? I've been learning Here Comes the Sun, by George Harrison and the Beatles. So well, I think it's just George Harrison actually. Um, and what have I been doing? Well, the era that I've identified in is I haven't done enough slow work single-handed and I haven't done enough counting in my head. Like as a musician, I, I don't have that, in, that and I haven't done to the metronome enough. So this is the bit that I need to work on. Now, I'm still going to spend other time in my piano playing time doing other things. So I'm still going to do creative work. I'm still going to um, do some ear work. So I'm still going to do some other areas that I already currently do, but I have to bring this new piece into my time that I spend doing the activity. And this is what you want to think about here. So in the area that you've identified, if you've gone through those first couple of steps of A, identifying the areas that you're not doing work in or the areas that you don't like, enjoy doing work in or the areas where you've just kind of skipped over them when you were building your habits and then B, you've understood, okay, now I need to work on this area. Now what we've got to do is we've got to understand what's the actual work you need to do in this area. So if I were to go back to my time in Ironman and go back to square one, I would say, okay, each week when I was doing Ironman, I probably swam... I probably average four to six hours of swimming a week so in my four to six hours of swimming there needs to be an hour of skill work okay so that's that's what you're thinking about here so a good way to think about this is how much time do you spend in this area okay so how much time are you currently spending in this area and then in this time to bring the new area that I've identified through this process we're working through here how much time do I need to put into that area, and what am I going to do with that? So for me, my piano playing, I pro- at the moment, I probably average playing five hours a week. Probably, probably what I average playing the piano a week. Uh, and so, and it's going to be some band work, it's going to be some other skill work, it's just going to be sometimes just jamming on my piano... With that in mind, I'm now trying to spend 20 minutes of each session doing this. Here comes the sun song, breaking it down and really basic. And, and the song, if I were to do my normal method, I, I probably could get to the, end of the song, but I'm not. I'm focusing on the technique. So I'm focusing on counting my head, doing the single hand work. I'm focused on using the metronome. So, as much as I could probably learn that song quite easily based on my current skill base, I'm trying to learn that technique more. And that's what you're trying to think about here. So, what is the part that I need to put in place? Now, one thing we need to accept is we have to pull away from some things that we're already doing because I'm still only going to spend five hours a week playing the piano. Um, I, as a swimmer, I'm still only going to spend four to six hours a week swimming. So so there won't be so much time to spend on all the other areas. So you do have to kind of think about what has to be compromised. And Maybe this is the next step. This is step number four. What do I have to compromise to fit the new time in? Now, with this in mind, I think it's really important to understand the idea of you're going to suck in this area. <laughs> uh, now, sometimes it's not the case, like race planning. That's pretty easy, but me with the you know the counting my head is I'm not very good at it because I've never really done it. You know, I've kind of always just gone by feel. Now, the counting my head, and and one thing I'm finding really interesting here's a here's a funny thing. So. I've gotten I've gotten a good habit of counting, but I count out loud. So I literally play. So I go one and two and three and four and one and two and and while that's good because I'm counting, if I want to play in front of people, I can't be counting out loud. So I'm I'm trying to teach myself to to shut my mouth up and actually just be counting in my head. And I've got to be honest, it's 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 really hard for me because that's where I am with my playing. And so one thing we've got to acknowledge is that the to- the era that we're trying to bring in. That can have the biggest impact or help you grow faster and help you overall develop your skills. The area you're trying to grow in, you're not going to be good at it, or you're going to be way you're going to be way better in other areas and kind of a beginner level in that area. So if I if I think back to Ironman, I was it was easy for me to go for a swim and a run because I was a pretty good swim and runner. And then was, I'm sorry, a run and a bike. Uh, swimming was always a bit more of a challenge for me. And and when I went for a swim, I just wanted to go to squads because it was easy to turn up to a squad. And I could work hard in a squad and there's a coach here just telling you what to do. So as a swimmer, it was kind of easy for me to do this bit. And whereas to pull aside and do technique, was, I was always a bit lost, confused, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, so there was it was it was harder. And harder in two ways. Harder because you you're not good at it, and B, you're gonna be uncomfortable when you're doing it. So again, as I learned George Harrison right now on the piano and I'm focusing on the process and the technique I'm trying to improve on, I'm not good at it. And it's uncomfortable. It's tough. Like, it's hard. But if I want to become the piano player I want to become, it's good use of my time and resource. So this is the thing to understand, is that you need to plan it in your in your time, and then what you've got to do is you've got to probably step four or five, Okay, okay. I don't know how many steps there are in this, is... What's the structure that you're going to put into this time, in your in in this area with the time that you have? So for me, what I'm doing is at the beginning of each piano session, I'm spending 20 minutes focusing on this this area here, and I'll actually just say, okay, what you're going to do is just do that one hand for ages, one hand for ages, one hand for ages, then the other hand for ages, counting out using the metronome, and I'm just doing 20 minutes, and okay, shut up, do it in your head. So I spend the first 20 minutes of every session. Focusing on the structure, you know, getting that done. Now, that's the structure that I've put in place. Also, before I start the session, I remind myself, okay, your objective is, you know, to focus on this thing here. So as you bring this area into your life, so again, you've you've identified the area you need to spend some time in. You've kind of figured out what you need to do. So I need to do 20 minutes of technique in every swim I do. I need to do my technique on my song playing. In the area, what's the area you need to do? You need to accept that you're a beginner in this area. So it's kind of that beginner level aim skill development you're aiming for. And then what's the structure that you need to put in place so you make sure you do the time in that area. So after a month from now, if I was swimming, I would have done four hours of technique work. And what's the structure I would have done? It might be that in a swimming week, I have two sessions where I do 30 minutes of drill work, you know, or whatever it is. That's the structure I have in place. Now, it's not just a structure practically. It's also with your focus. So it's not just, hey, I'm going to do 20 minutes of drills drills twice a week when I go for a swim. It's also before I go into the water, I'm going to do some assessment on or or some objective planning. I might put some videos on and see where I'm focusing on so I record myself and play myself. So you kind of think of the whole structure that's going to help you work in that area. The next thing is is ultimately to understand that you may not enjoy this part at this stage. And that's that kind of thing of, because it's unenjoyable and it's uncomfortable, it becomes that thing that we don't end up doing. But if you want to improve in the fastest way possible, this is probably the area you're going to have the biggest impact in. So to accept that this is the area that, I probably won't get the most enjoyment from and it's easy for me to be attracted to keep doing what I always do is a really good thing to understand within yourself because if you can get that piece right um, it can just help you stay in the work you know because ultimately what will happen is if you can stay in the uncomfortable and work through the bits that maybe aren't necessarily enjoyable to you and it's probably not enjoyable to you because you kind of suck at it but if you can work through that, eventually you will develop yourself, you will get better in that area, and it will become something that you probably will enjoy. Um, and that's what we're trying to get to, is we're trying to get to a place where that aspect of your work, of your development, is a kind of just a part of your new and routine. If we go back to this kind of idea of how do you create the habits of the area that you're working on... You know, eventually, what we're trying to do is shift that a little bit so this part here fits in your weekly routine. So, ultimately, what we want to do is we want to have the embracing of uncomfortable and enjoyment of bringing this new area in our life. Now, if you can do all this stuff really well, the next point is: is what what we've got to do is look for when we fall away from it, and that is a little bit of just kind of laziness, isn't it? That Laziness because we just want to go to comfortable. So you know, one day you might be planning to go to the pool. admittedly swimming is probably not the best analogy in this because drill work's not that physically hard. Although I never did it, so you know, my, why didn't I do it? I, I, you know, it was it was bizarre, but. And an area that might be uncomfortable for you, just go back to that, I've got to be comfortable because only what we're probably looking for is in the last step really is consistency of keeping this part in till it becomes your new habit. I say that again. So what we're looking for is consistency of keeping the new part in till it becomes a part of the habit of this area of your life. So, using my piano example, and the five hours that I spend playing the piano a week, it might be an hour of that will always go into, you know, the more detailed breaking down of learning a song in the process I've talked about today. And six months from now, if you look at my five to six hours a week that I spend playing the piano, that would be really clearly shown and just kind of how I spend my piano time. And this is a good way for you to think about this, that once we've got that first part of the framework done and we've, we're working through that uncomfortable, we're actually trying to create this as a long-term part of how I deal with this area. Now, where does this all lead us to? Well, ultimately, if we can fill the gaps... Interestingly, I watched this really interesting documentary about one of the world's top running coaches the other day, and... Um, it was an interesting documentary because it was, he was a bit of a controversial character. But they were talking about how when you get to elite, elite, elite sport, you know, like the Olympic gold medalists, they are looking for point one percent. You know, like when you're when you're at the Olympics and you're on you, you're on the start line of the ten thousand meter race or or the marathon, um, or you know, just any, any Olympian. Like I was doing an interview yesterday and talking about you know high level athletes and it's like. High level athletes are unhealthy. Like, you know, an Olympic marathon, that's not healthy. These people are on the edge of human capability. And to get there, that it's not a healthy, balanced life. They are extreme. And that's cool. Because that's what they want to be, and there's nothing against that. But they're not—they're not the the how they act is not the role model for the everyday kind of healthy lifestyle. (laughs) Like it's, and these people look for the one percents. You're not even the one percents, the point one percents, you know. And that's kind of the real high level that we that people are aim. You know, the, the the elite aim for, and for this reason, that's why. These people get the best results. You know, these people are the best at what they do because they don't have the bits that they don't do. They don't have the bits that they don't do you know, like they were talking about this coach and this coach got banned for drugs. It was actually really, it's on, uh, I saw it on Amazon Prime, I think it was. It was called something something to do with Nike and this running coach. And none of his athletes have ever been caught for doing drugs. And it's not like, it doesn't look like he's got his athletes to do drugs. He was just getting his, literally got his son to test the cream to see if it would be banned because he's like, if it's not banned, I'm going to test it because I want to test the rules to, to, to the nth of their degree and some people were saying well is that in the kind of the good nature of the sport and he's like well if it's in the rules um, I'm going to see you know if, if this cream is a steroid cream but it's, you know using it under this level is in the rules I'm going to use it and so he t- trialed it on his son he got banned for it and so it's a very interesting documentary but his thing was like I'm, I'm going right to the edge there's, you know, like, like I'm on the edge, and when I'm on, I'm on my tippy-toes, I'm on the edge as well. Like, I'm, my, I'm, my, I'm facing backwards with my toes on the edge. Like, like that's what I need to create for my athletes, because these athletes have no bit they don't do. They do everything for success. Now, that's elite. That's really top-end elite. But for you in your area, you know, like, if you think about how much of the things that you're doing to, to, to develop your growth what percentage would you give yourself? You know, I'd say as a musician, jeepers, creepers, I'm going to be really honest, I'd probably do 60, you know. Now, 100%, I don't know if I have, A, I, I, I don't know if I want to be 100% music, musician in that way. Um, you know, I don't know if I want to be that kind of 40-hour week musician, if you know what I mean, like that obsessed kind of that level. Um, but probably you. what you could think about this is based on the time I have, what level do I want to get to? So with the five hours I have, what's the best way I can get growth and what's the bits that I'm not doing that can help me do this and this is what this is all about and if we go back to what I talked about at the very beginning if you can be spending the time on the work that you're currently not doing and putting some of the stuff that I've talked about here today do you think you get way more results do you think you'd grow faster and do you think you'd love that place like I'd love it. Like I've got my one of my best mates, Seanho. Sean o. is an amazing musician. Amazing. Sean o is just a legend, this guy is. He's just a rock star. And Sean, o, the thing about Sean O. is he comes around to my house, you put a piece of music in him and he can just play it. And he doesn't like he was a grade nine I think he was a grade nine pianist as a kid, so he's a very good musician as a kid. And he kind of dabbles in music nowadays. It's not his main focus. He'll kind of, you know he, he probably he, he wouldn't spend as much time on music as I do. Um and he comes around and I'll just have a piece of music sitting on my keyboard. And he'll come in and he'll be in my office and he'll jump on and he'll just play it. Now, I can work on a song, but I'm not that. But one day I'd love to be that. And if I don't add this bit here, I never will. You know, I never will. So the reward for me will be, because one day, one day, if I keep this up, I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to pick up a piece of music. Oh yeah, I can play this and bang it, bang it out. And that's pretty cool in my mind. And I'd love to be that person. But based on what I'm doing right now, before I've started this change, I never was going to be. So again, what are we talking about today? First of all, the area of your life that you're currently spending time on, that you actually care about, are there ways that you can progress your speed of growth and your evolution in this area? And based on my five points, do I have five, let's see. Point number one is you need to assess what you currently aren't doing. And this is in three ways. First of all, just what you aren't doing that you know you're not doing. What parts of your habit did you not include when you started building this area of your life? And then what parts you just not enjoy? Secondly, what you need to do is you need to assess where you need to grow now. So what are the bits that you actually need to add in to actually help your progress? Thirdly, you need to set up the structure that will help you both practically and I wasn't gonna say emotionally, but so more, more psychologically. Have the right focus to do the work with that. Is this, is this thirdly? It's thirdly? No, fourthly. Fourthly, you then need to start doing the work. And when you're doing the work, is, is A, to learn to deal with, or probably understand that you're going to be a beginner in this area, so accept that. Understand that it's going to be uncomfortable and maybe not even enjoyable at the beginning, but your job is to stick at it. And then the last step is, is then to try to include this as your long-term routine. And probably the... The last step, and I'm not sure if this is four or five. Again, I said five. I don't know where I'm going with this. But the last step is once that's got to the point where that's a part of your routine, go through the process again. Okay? Now that I've brought this kind of ear playing, or, sorry, breaking my hands down, going slow, counting my head, and I'm kind of getting competent at it, what's the other piece of my piano playing that I'm not doing that maybe could have a massive impact? Ultimately, if we can do that, you're going to be growing again speed from A to B will be massively improving you begin much better results you'll be loving the thing so much more and the evolution of you will be progressing in a faster like like the pedal to the middle kind of way and if you keep doing that you'll always be a higher version of yourself. So I want to talk about one thing before I wrap up the show. I hope you enjoyed that part of the show, but I want to talk about something completely different. I was coaching about runners this morning, and they were doing they're basically my half marathon group, and they're at their, kind of the peak of their program. So kind of we do a 10-week program, and they kind of do three build or two builds and then a taper. So they do like a one three-week build, and then have an easy week, then do like another three-week build, and then they kind of go into their taper. Now these people come into our program pretty much you know 10 to 15k fit some of them are way fitter than that but our base is kind of 10 to 15k fit so you know they're ready to kind of go to that last push towards a half marathon it's not you know it, you need some base behind you um but today was like they did a two and a half hour run um and it had four 18 minutes of of effort work in it. So they had some easy running in it and then they had two blocks of 40 minutes at race pace. So it's kind of and the reason I put this in is that two reasons is to get their body used to doing the pace that they're going to do on race day, but also to mentally learn how to deal with race day. And one thing that one thing that we that I talked a lot about to my runners today was This idea of we need to understand the stress we're going to face when we're faced before we face the thing. So we need to understand the stress we're going to face before we face the thing. So let me use the analogy here. So in a half marathon, for most people, the last 5K is pretty tough and even if you run a wise race you want the last 5k to be pretty tough because most people in a half marathon they just do everything wrong in the first half and then the last half kind of sucks but if you run a really wise race what it means is that with 5k to go you've got an opportunity to to have a really great race you know you you've got an opportunity to have a great performance and in that moment there you want the ability to push hard through to the end and mentally go to a place where you're really uncomfortable and in today's session, we did they did a 30-minute warm-up, then they did 40 minutes at race pace, 20 minutes easy, then another 40 minutes race pace, then another 20 minutes easy. So in that second, minute of, second block of 40, the first block, they all did really well. Uh, they were kind of fresh. But to be honest, just literally today was like the end of a three hard weeks of training, like loading, 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 volume, intensity, tough, 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 tough training. And they get to the end of today's run, and they've got 40 minutes to go, and... My key message is, A, they've got a goal they need to achieve, they had to sit on a certain pace for a period of time, but B, you're trying to learn how to deal with the stress of this moment. Because in a half marathon, unfortunately, a lot of people get to that moment and they just give up. They they might get to the finish line, they might get to the finish line, but they just kind of give up. And they give up because I actually think they're just not used to it. They just, they just they just don't know how to deal with that stress. They get to that moment and like, oh my God, this is so hard. And so it's really important when we're trying to go towards testing times in our life that we try to put ourselves in situations that teach us how to manage that level of stress. So again, when we're going to go to times in our lives where we're, we're challenged, and when I say stress, I mean in kind of that you stress way, in a really cool way, you know, that You're you're, you're trying to move towards stress and you try to learn how to understand how to deal with stress. And so in that last 40 minutes a day, and I was quite hard on them as a coach. I was like, sometimes, you know, they're going to work easier. You know, you don't need them, I thought. But I was just, I was very demanding on them. I was like, no, you've got to stick your time. And I need you to keep focused on your head game. Because what I need these people to learn is in that last 5K, if they've done a race plan, they've stuck to that plan really well. This is how it's gonna feel. You're gonna feel exactly how you're gonna feel right now. You're gonna be you're gonna be starting to get tired, you're gonna be mentally fatigued. And how do you push to the end? And this is a practice opportunity for you to learn how to deal with this stress. Because if you can learn how to deal with it today in a really powerful way, then how do you think you're gonna be in race day? Now it doesn't guarantee you're gonna win on race day, but it massively increases your chances. And that's what we've got to think about. So I just want to share that with you today. In areas of your life where you want to grow, are you giving yourself opportunities where you're practicing dealing with the stress of the higher level? And probably take, you could probably take that back to what I was talking about in the main just of the show. When you're getting uncomfortable, how do you learn to deal with that stress of being uncomfortable? Yeah. So anyway, uh, if you enjoyed today's show, you can become a patron of the show, Bevan James Iles Show. Go to bevanjamesiles.com. Click on support me in the podcast section and you can give some of your hard-earned money my way. Uh, To get my book, go to passionateaboutexercise.com. Spread the word about the podcast. If you can put a review in a podcatcher, that really helps. And um, yeah, I've got an interview pot lined up for the next episode, so I'll be back in a couple weeks' time with the next episode of the show. As always, keep being you. (laughs)